You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Network your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL and other sports around the internet and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Find us on Spotify, on Google Play. You can subscribe at any of those places where fine podcasts are sold. The all new Himalaya podcast app, Google Play, Anywhere, really. You, you might go to your local bodega and find Locked on Packers. You might be surprised. And anytime you want to hit us up with a Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friends' trips. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. We are going to have Jason Hershorn on the show tomorrow for a really fun exercise in team building. And we're going to go through some of our favorite fringe players, OTAs, the, the second public OTA uh, happened on Wednesday. And, and there was a lot of interesting things that, that came out of that and all of the caveats about not taking too much stock in anything that's going on, not getting too worried, not getting too high or too low about anything that's going on in OTAs. We're going to talk about some players that are on our radar, some guys that we like who we think can make the team, who can make an impact, who we have our eyes on, some fringe guys, guys who are not necessarily a lock to otherwise make this team. And so that's going to be the focus of of our discussion tomorrow, and, and it's going to be fun. It's always fun when Jason comes on. Uh, he, he brings a different energy, and it's just it's a blast. So that's going to be fun. You're not going to want to miss it. It is our fourth show of the week. We were off with Memorial Day. So we will we will generally try and be in that Monday through Thursday routine in the offseason, but sometimes you know there are uh, reasons that we have to we have to get into a different schedule because of holidays. Uh, we may run into a different schedule on the 4th of July. Just just if you're subscribed, you're going to find the show. And if you're following us on Twitter, if you're following the podcast, if you're following me on Twitter, you're going to find the show. I do want to talk today about OTAs. Uh, and something really interesting happened on Wednesday. And uh, it, it, didn't, it, it didn't really go highly publicized or reported. And it seems like a small thing. And I get it seems like a small thing. And it is. This is not, you know, this is not game-changing stuff. This is not reinventing the wheel. This is not breaking the wheel like Daenerys Targaryen wanted to do. But everyone seemed to notice that the Packers were doing a lot of throwing. And why were they doing a lot of throwing? Well, because in OTAs, you can't wear pads. And so even though it is the case that throughout the process, the Packers are installing all sorts of facets of their offense, it makes sense intuitively to say, 
well, we're going to focus on the passing game because that's the thing that that is the easiest thing to practice right now. And this is, again, it seems intuitive. And yet it is not something that is universally done around the league. It is not something that, that Mike McCarthy necessarily did. And I think there is a difference. You could see the difference. And there's a different energy and a different verve in this team. And we're already starting to see the, the vast changes in the way this offense is going to look under Matt LaFleur than it did with Mike McCarthy. And I think those changes, Matt LaFleur talked about them after practice, about being on the same page as Rodgers and, and having it being really fun to talk to him about looks and and formations and plays and and be able to pick his brain and have a back and forth. And I got this note. Uh, hey, Peter, what's happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? Joel Sharkey from Ohio. First off, shout out to Julian Edelman for graduating from Kent State. Not Packers related, but University Pride. Congrats, Julian. I've been thinking about for a while is Aaron Rodgers has really looked like he's having fun during OTAs this season, something that didn't seem as prevalent the last few seasons under MM. At least in my opinion, do you think this is a sign that Matt LaFleur is challenging him again? Well, I I can't give your opinion, Joel. I can only give mine. I don't know that it's it is proof that Rodgers is being challenged, but I do think it's evidence that he's having fun. And it seems like the whole offense is having fun. The defense seemingly couldn't stop them. And there was a a really interesting little exchange that I think is really emblematic of what this offense at its best can be. The Packers came out in a two tight end set, two receivers with a back, and it was an empty set. So you had Rodgers in the shotgun, Two tight ends to the left, and then a bunch formation on the right with two receivers and a running back. They came back and ran that same look later, quick snapped it, and got a touchdown in the red zone drill with Mercedes Lewis. That is at the heart of what Matt LaFleur wants to be. He wants to show you the same pre-snap look and give you something different. Or, and, he wants to show you something totally different pre-snap, and run the same play. This is the illusion of complexity that he talks about. You can run the same things out of the, out of different formations and you can run different things out of the same formations. This is how you keep a defense guessing. There was a really great metaphor that Dan Orlovsky used on Mina Kimes podcast uh, the other day. And that was every guy who has a suit probably has a Navy suit. And if you stood next to two guys that had the same Navy suit, You might not notice because it's going to be dressed differently. You might change your tie. You might change the pocket square. You might go pattern shirt. You might go plain shirt. You might go bright tie. You might go muted tie. You might go loafers and no tie. There's so many ways to wear the same suit. But at the end of the day, it's still a Navy suit. And so you don't have to have... 600 plays. You don't have to have a Wendy's playlist menu that is enormous. You might only have, you know, a fraction of the plays Mike McCarthy had. But what you're going to have is different pre-snap looks, different formation groups, different motions, and you're going to have builds off that. 
So you're going to say, okay, we're going to come out on this same personnel later in the game because they're playing us a certain way or they're going to see it and they're going to say, okay, they're running this play. And now here is the counter because we think they're going to play us this way. And that's not to say Mike McCarthy's offense didn't have some of that. It certainly did. There's a there's an anecdote I, I remember hearing. I, I, I believe it was Brett Favre, but I think it was being relayed by Matt Hasselbeck. And he was saying that, that Favre was trying to get big plays on a, on a play that was actually setting something else up in the future. And, and eventually the coach came over and said, you idiot. He's, the coach is trying to get you a touchdown later in the game uh, and an easy touchdown. That's the point of it. And so quarterbacks have to understand, okay, these things build. Well, they didn't really in the Mike McCarthy offense. That wasn't really what they did. And I keep going back to a quote from Ryan Grant, and that was, you know, the Mike McCarthy offense was great when they had all those guys, Jennings, Driver, Jones, Nelson, Finley, Grant, Starks, and then Rodgers in that offensive line. Couldn't stop it. Couldn't stop it. When they could beat you one-on-one consistently. When you don't have those guys, when Rodgers is off a little bit physically, then what do you do? And that's the flaw in Mike McCarthy's system, something that he's going to have to fix if he wants to be a successful head coach in the league again. Matt LaFleur's offense doesn't do that, and we saw that on a long touchdown to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, got behind Darnell Savage, not worried about that, by the way. This offense can create big plays. That is part of why I think Rodgers is happy. He understands that that's what this offense is meant to do. You're not just going to run slant flat 12 times a game. There's going to be a play, and that play is going to set up a play you're going to run in the second quarter, and that's going to set up a play you you might run three weeks later. This is something the Patriots do as well as any team in football. Kyle Shanahan does a great job of it. And I think, frankly, Sean McVay, he, he has done a great job of it, but then has not, in big games, been great at being able to execute and make adjustments on some of that stuff. That is, the, that is the next step he has to make. We don't know if Matt LaFleur is going to be able to execute all those things in season the way that, that they're drawn up. And by extension, the Packers, can they execute those things the way they're drawn up? We're going to have to see, of course. The early returns are good. And taking this somewhat progressive approach to practice is good. Getting Aaron Rodgers in and happy early is good. And seeing already the hints of the kinds of things this offense can do when it plays the way that that Matt LaFleur wants to play, that's good. So again, take it all with a grain of salt. I don't think we should we should see the the big play touchdown or you know some of the the micro things and extrapolate long term outcomes here. I, that's just not fair. We need to see a lot more of it before we're ready to say, okay, this is what this is going to look like, and this is why they're going to be good. But it it offers us glimpses, and you know why, why have a daily podcast if we're not going to comment on some of those glimpses? It, it is certainly encouraging. It is certainly exciting, and again, if you're a player, and that's so key here, if you're a player, you're excited. So if you see a change in the attitude of of Aaron Rodgers, it's because this kind of offense can be fun, and when it works, I mean, how much did I talk about this in the offseason? If you can show Aaron Rodgers it works early, he's going to buy in, 
That means everyone's going to buy in, everyone's going to have fun, and the easiest way to have fun is to score a bunch of points. And that builds on itself. Now you have confidence in the scheme. Now you can make adjustments off that scheme to make it even better, and now you really have something. And speaking of really having something, let's talk about having sex. And not just sex, good sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence you need in bed at BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants a little extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom, and who doesn't want that? Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. You have run out of excuses. You don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to show anybody. No one has to know. Just you and your partner. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com. Blue like the color blue. Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it free. I've, I've been getting a lot of notes about the offensive line shuffling, and I want to I talk about it a little bit because it seems like you know, when we had Brandon Thorne on the podcast and he mentioned Elton Jennings as someone who was probably going to end up being one of the five best offensive linemen on this team and that he should probably be a starter. I stood up and took notice and it was it was clear out there that, you know, he's a big guy, he can execute and that he's a guard. He's a guard. Corey Lindsley, who was late getting back from Ohio for Memorial Day, delayed flights, weather issues. We had terrible weather out on the East Coast the last couple days. Even with that and, and the relative lack of depth behind him, Lucas Patrick can play center. They actually had Cole Madison playing center. Jenkins was playing guard, just playing guard. His future on this team is as a guard. Matt LaFleur made that abundantly clear. And until we have clarity about the future of Billy Turner and and who's going to be the right tackle on this team and how Lane Taylor adjusts to this offense. It's really difficult to say how this offensive line is going to look a year from now. And, and, you know, I don't think we should be bogged down in worrying about that kind of stuff. We need to make sure that, that the offensive line, we know what it looks like now. And I, I think I would be pretty surprised if, the week one starters were not the offensive tackles we know, the center we know, Billy Turner at right guard and Lane Taylor at left guard. They're paying Billy Turner to start. He's going to start, in my opinion, unless he's just terrible. And I do think there's a good chance he's the he is the proposed, at least, he'll get the first chance to start at right tackle eventually because they're going to get Elton Jenkins in the mix They've got Cole Madison, and then we just don't know what to make of Lane Taylor. Now, in order for us to see Taylor off the field, you keep him, you let him be you know, swing tackle or swing guard if he's not going to start. 
But I think at, at this point, it's just so unlikely that that's what we're going to get, that that's what we're going to see, that unless and until we see Elton Jenkins just blow the doors off everyone else and we see Lane Taylor struggle, I think we have to go into this season under the impression that those five are going to be the five. And Rodgers singled out Billy Turner by name and said, look, he is a different look and and he's an impressive guy and he's big and he... He changes the dynamic of our offensive line. Can he play right guard in this offense and be good? Well, that we don't know. And if he can't, then what does that mean? If he can't, so here's an interesting scenario that I haven't heard mentioned. Let's say, again, I brought up that podcast with Brandon Thorne. Billy Turner's best football of his career was at guard last season, left guard. Can he play right guard? Let's say he struggles. He's getting paid to play. And so if he has to be moved, maybe you move him to swing tackle and you move Elton Jenkins into the starting lineup. I think he'd have to be pretty bad for the Packers to be in a position to have to do that. But I do think it is the case that Elton Jenkins is going to play this year. I don't think he's going to be a preferred starter. I don't think he's going to win a job. And I don't think, frankly, that's a big deal. And in the event, in the likely event, that Brian Bulaga misses time, that's going to be Billy Turner's job to, to fill in. And we saw him play right tackle on Wednesday. Billy Turner was in there uh, in, in, some, in some late practice situations. And then you have Elton Jenkins who can slot in at right guard, assuming he wins that battle. Cole Madison could still win that battle. Lucas Patrick could still win that battle. I doubt it, but it could happen. So I don't want us to get out in front of our skis here with Elton Jenkins. As much as I like Elton Jenkins, and I like him a lot. I mean, I like him a lot. And so far, there's no indication that, that he's not living up to the billing of being a second-round pick and being a top 50 player. But I, just, I, I think that's not enough to give us any kind of assurances that he's going to be the guy to, to come in and win a job against two pretty established veterans. Before we finish up here, I want to remind you today's show is brought to you by Grip6, a light ultra weight belt with no holes, no flap, and is a great Father's Day gift. Go to Grip6 with the special promo code LOCK. So go to Grip6thenumber6.com slash LOCK, L-O-C-K, to try it. You know, I have to laugh at some of this stuff. And, you know, there, there was a, a report, Mike Sando, who is an outstanding reporter, by the way, at ESPN and, and does great work and is extremely plugged in. And uh, I, I have a ton of respect for the work that he does. He did a offseason report card and, and essentially had a little confab with personnel people to say, what do you think? You know, here's, here's what I think. What do you think about the offseason? And so here's what one anonymous exec said about the C-plus that the Packers ultimately got. One of the concerns is that the defensive coordinator is a strong-willed guy, and does he wield too much influence? Free agency was all defense. The first four picks of the draft were defense. And then I have some questions about the staff. And then I have some questions about the staff after they did not get the special teams coordinator. The, the, the Darren Rizzi thing aside, first of all, let's just get our facts right on this. 
yes, Mike Patton is a strong-willed guy. He does not wield too much influence at 1265 Lombardi Avenue. Second, free agency was not all defense. Green Bay signed a starting offensive lineman in Billy Turner among the, the four marquee players that they signed. Yes, they signed three defenders, three really good defenders to improve a defense that was really bad last year. I mean, the premise notwithstanding, I mean, the premise is already stupid because, oh no, a team that was bad on defense last year wanted to improve the defense. But then to just get it factually wrong and then and then double down on getting it factually wrong, the first four picks of the draft were defense. My guy, the, the first two picks were defense. But then they went offense, offense. Elton Jenkins and Jay Sternberger, last time I checked, play offense. So yes, they got Rashawn Gary at 12 and then picked Darnell Savage. That's two. The next two picks were offense. So we can't even get the facts straight on that one. And then we get this other quote, anonymous exec X, wondering about the coach. And oh, they had accountability issues. And so why didn't they get, uh, uh, you know, a bigger person, someone with juice. That's the phrasing, someone with juice. What exactly does that mean? What is a what is a coach with juice? John Gruden, he has juice. Mike Singletary had juice. I mean, who was the last no-nonsense, you know, charismatic figure that came in in the last 10 or 15 years and, and had success? Jim Harbaugh, a little bit, a couple years, and then wore out his welcome. Anyone else? Anyone else? Guys have tried. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. And then look at the coaches who have come in and succeeded. Guys who have been malleable. Guys who have been, you can still be a personality. Did Doug Peterson have any juice? Where's the juice? I mean, where's, where's Frank Reich's juice? Sean McVay is going to go in after Jeff Fisher. People thought that was going to be a disaster because Jeff Fisher is such a strong personality and is such a respected veteran coach, and they're going to hire, you know, a guy that looks like he's a college student to come in and run a team. And guess what? He is a special people person, and it worked. I mean, this this old school way of thinking that, oh, you know, this team quit on Mike McCarthy, so they need to bring a guy in that's going to crack the whip. I mean, what year is it? What are we talking about? It's just so, it's so stupid. And I just, I, I don't even know sometimes why we bother with some of this stuff. Why we think just because an NFL executive said it that it, it that it makes it true. And and certainly, uh, look, if if an NFL executive says something that is just objectively and demonstrably factually incorrect, you can't you can't print it. Sorry. Can't print it. And I'm not I'm not impugning the integrity of anybody here. This is not a journalistic ethics thing. I just think you can't print it. You can't print it. Or at least you need to print it and say, by the way, that's not true. I mean we we do that now in politics. Let's do it in sports. Maybe a coach or an exec or someone saying something is newsworthy or is is important on its own but if it's wrong you have to correct it you just have to so you know next time you're reading 
stuff from anonymous scouts or anonymous executives or, or really anyone, even if they're going to put their name on it and they're going to put it on the record. Remember how bad most NFL teams are at this because most of them are pretty bad. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow with Jason Hershorn talking fringe roster players, our favorite guys, guys to watch, names that maybe you're not thinking about, maybe that, that you haven't thought about in months, maybe you haven't heard of. I bet more than one name we discussed tomorrow you either haven't heard of or hadn't thought about or it hadn't occurred to you that they might make an impact on this team. So we're going to get to that tomorrow, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you are checked into that. Easiest way to do that, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, on the all-new Himalaya podcast app. Check that out. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline like Joel did earlier in the show, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.